But finding zero, you know, I couldn't get Dory and Marlon out of my head this week. Elmer would attest to that as we were, at, he's already smiling. He's like, you went with that? Really? Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I didn't think Rob would be here. I thought, come on, shoot, he showed up. But finding zero, I, I, it was just this, <laughs> this title, I, I just couldn't shake it. Really, I wanted to, but I, I just couldn't shake it because that's really what the title of the movie should have been, right? Like, really, it should have been that, right? You can just picture the tagline. It's like, meet Marlin, the clownfish, who really isn't that funny, who struggles with massive fear, anxiety, and unbelief as he meets up with this young lady fish, Dory. She's blue. She can't remember a lick of anything, and she's about as smart as the average toothpick. Watch as they traverse the grand ocean, meeting dangers of all sorts, running into dead end after dead end after massive sharks that would normally eat them, but they miraculously escape only to find nothing and get lost in the sea because they don't remember what they were doing to begin with. Nemo was, he was toast, like in the real world. There's no way Nemo was ever going to get found. Like, honestly, let's be real with one another. Because that's movies, right? That's movies. I actually read an article this week about astronauts, real astronauts who were kind of complaining about movies and how they don't portray space properly. I was like, your fir- what's your first clue? It's a movie, right? Yeah, well, in the movie Gravity, to go from the Chinese space station to the U.S., you know, they were going to the U.S. space station, but to go to the Chinese, that would there was nowhere near enough energy planned for to get there. That that never, it's not realistic. I was like, what tipped you? Like it's Paramount Brothers. Like, and the best one, the best one was Avengers. Someone made this comment: those spaceships couldn't even really exist. <laughs> really? You just. That had to be said out loud. I was like, (laughs) but movies aren't real, right? Finding zero, that's the way it would have played out. Like, when was the last time, you know, the game-winning touchdown was scored? They won the, you know, Tom Brady, you know, gets interviewed, right? They come up to Tom Brady, they're like, so, how did you do it? Well, that's frightened out of my mind. I actually have a diaper on right now. (laughs) I didn't believe we could do it. My team sucks. None of them know what they're doing. There's no way we could win this game. That's what my mindset was. We're, we're done. We're totally toast. Wait a second. What sport do I even play? I can't. What? Like, that, you never hear that, do you? Because that's not realistic. Fear, unbelief, forgetfulness, they do not win the day. Okay? I'm sorry. Those two fish never win the day. And neither do we. We don't win the day. And that was the story of Israelites. And that's my text this morning, Deuteronomy 1, verse 26 to 33. I want to read that with you or for you this, this morning. Deuteronomy 1, uh, Moses' is, is first sermon uh, to the Israelites, the second generation, or if, if that's what you want to call it. But he's recounting the story of the 12 spies going into, uh, bef- going and searching out or spying out the land. Uh, he, they come back and give the report. Yes, there's really good fruit, but there's these huge giants and these massive fortified cities. And they say, yet, yeah. and so Moses recounts in verse 26, yet you would not go up, but rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. And you murmured in your tents and said, because the Lord hated us and brought us up out of the land of Egypt uh, to give us into the land of the Amorites to destroy us. Where are we going up? Our brothers have made our hearts melt, saying these people are greater and taller than we. The cities are great and fortified up to the heaven. And besides, we have seen the sons of the Anakim there. 
Then I said to you, don't be in dread or afraid of them. The Lord your God who goes before you himself will fight. Sorry, the Lord who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did in Egypt before your eyes. He starts reminding Israelites. And he fought for you in Egypt, sorry, and in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son all the way you went until you came to this place. Yet in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went with you before you and uh, sorry, who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. This glorious land. They stand on the precipice, have seen the glory of God, but fear, unbelief, forgetfulness, anxiety didn't win the day. Did it? It didn't win the day. And this morning, I just feel like this story is very applicable to us in a couple ways, I think. I think it's fair to say that as we sit here uh, as individuals, you can have your own places where God has carried you, where God has brought you to a certain place and is asking you to take a new land, to come into a new season, to take hold of something new in your life for his glory and his honor. And maybe, and the second way it's applicable to us is maybe this is my soapbox as someone who sits over at 305 Main Street every day and looks at a new land, a real legitimate new land for Calvary Chapel that we are about to take in. And I see those giants. I see the work being done. I see the work not being done. I see the mountains to climb. I see the faith to have. And then I see this place, 30 McKenzie, trying to sell this place. Uncovering other stuff that needs two building projects now. Praise Jesus. And so maybe this is me encouraging us, spurring us on as a body, but it's also here, I'm here this morning to encourage us on as individuals. Church, I want to, I really want to, I want to, I want God to encourage us this morning. I really want Him to stir our hearts and build our faith that God has big, big, big stuff for us. Big stuff for Calvary. As a body, as brothers and sisters here at 30 McKenzie, has big things for us, but also as individuals sitting here today. And fear and unbelief and forgetfulness do not win the day. I was really appreciating praise and worship this morning. I, I felt like during worship, we just worshiped the message, didn't we? Didn't we just worship the message? I was sitting there going, okay, and we're done. I can go home. That was a long week of preparation for absolutely zero. No. <laughs> but it actually just spurs on my joy to just go, okay, we just sang about it. How about we look into scriptures about it the same way? So it's absolutely my joy. This morning I want to talk about the five P's of God. I want to rewind. I want to go back from this time when, Jude, when, when Moses is talking to the Israelites. I want to write, rewind back to Egypt. And I want to look at the five P's of God that I'm trusting the Lord will use in our hearts to stir and encourage us and build our faith up and cause us to remember who we are in Christ Jesus. As we look to our situations where we're tempted to allow fear, we're tempted to allow unbelief and forgetfulness to rule and win the day and not come into everything that God has for us because that's what happened to the Israelites, didn't it? They saw God, they walked with God, well, I'm giving you the peas already, right? And they get to the land, and they don't get to enter the land, and that's tragic. It's tragic. 
So the five, five, five P's of God. Number one, I, it, the, these, let me just start by saying also that I've, I feel like I've talked about these in, in every sermon I preach. You know, I think I've mentioned this one before. I mean, there was this comment that Rob made to me a long time ago. Why don't you just preach the gospel, Greg? You're just going to preach the gospel. And I, I don't mind just preaching the gospel this morning to you. I want to remind you of the gospel. I want to sow in your hearts. I want you encouraged by the gospel. Everything, Christ Jesus, the Lord, our Savior, knit into our hearts, building us up and strengthening us as a body. So number one, if Juliana can get ready with her finger and change these slides for me, Israelites saw the power of God. Amen? So you need to remember where they're standing in unbelief at the precipice of the, of, of the, the new land, of, of the promised land, okay? And remember, this, this is their story. That starting right back from the beginning of Egypt, they saw the power of God displayed through all of creation, didn't they? God just wielded his wonder in setting them free from captivity. He turned water into blood. He commanded frogs, gnats, flies, locusts to consume land. He initiated plagues to kill livestock, boils to affect man. He sent hail and darkness and death. God displaying his grand power over all creation to set his captives free. This is their story. This is how it began for them in the midst of their, of their complaining in Egypt, in the midst of their slavery in Egypt. God, maybe that's the greatest power they got to witness, was setting captives free. And not only did he just set them captives free, they actually took spoil with them. And just when they thought, why, let's go back to Egypt, they come across the Red Sea, God displays his power once again by taking a whole sea and whoosh, dividing it right in half. Again, this isn't new. Greg, we know this. I know, but this is reminder. Amen? This is reminder of a powerful God that we serve. He's so powerful. I mean, he even thought of everything, right? He just dried up the ground, too, for them to go through. God thinks of everything. Setting the captives free amid slavery from uh, bond... uh, Sorry, free from slavery and bondage. The Israelites saw and worshipped a powerful God. Number two, the Israelites walked in the presence of God. I'd be tempted to be jealous, you know, of the Israelites getting to see what they saw if we didn't actually have Christ in us. Amen? Like, that's a powerful truth, right? It's like, would you rather live now or back then? I think I would actually choose now because we have the King of Kings reigning inside each and every one of us. Amen? But the Israelites walked in the presence of God. Exodus 19, the glory on the mountain. That story of uh, that moment when God descends on the mountain with thunder and lightning, thick cloud of smoke, a very loud trumpet blast, the Lord descended on it in fire. Can you imagine being in the presence of the Almighty God and seeing Him descend in this place? We sing songs about that and ask God, don't we? That would be gloriously wonderful. Moses in the tent of meeting, glowing as he came out, God speaking directly. That'd be really cool. You know, Pastor Rob speaking on a weekly basis, just glowing. Like, can you imagine our pastor being, look at him, he's beaming. You're glowing right now. You've been on holidays long enough. You should be glowing, right? (laughs) But you think about this as the Israelites walked in the presence of God, seeing the tangible, visual outpouring of him on Mount Sinai, or you see Moses meeting with God, coming out after having met with God, actually glowing, changed in appearance. Which really is how we should be when we meet with God. We should be so encouraged that people should be like, you're different than everybody else. You look like you're glowing. Amen? 
Like that's just literally who we should be and how it should be. What about pillars of fire and cloud? You know, we, we punch our locations into Google to get somewhere and then it tells us left and right. But what if we didn't even have to punch it into Google? Like Google just knew. We just woke up and said, hey, where are we going today? Oh, look at this cloud. We're going to just follow this pillar of cloud. And then when nighttime comes, it turns into a pillar of fire. Can you imagine walking in the presence of God such that you no longer had to ask, Lord, where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do today? Well, how about you just follow that pillar and it'll all work out really good for you. But the visual, tangible presence of God that the Israelites walked in, that we know in Exodus 33, Moses was really desperate that he came with them, that this presence, his presence was so important that angels weren't good enough, that Moses wanted him very king of kings to walk with them. Don't send us if you don't come. Don't send us out. And God listened. Number two, the Israelites walked in the very presence of God, the tangible, visual outpouring. And again, I'm reminding you, I, I want, I'm reminding you this morning of these things because we need to remember what happened, this fear and unbelief and how powerful it is. We need to go back and see how, what makes that so crazy. Number three, the Israelites received the provision of God. They did, didn't they? They, The Lord provided a way out of Egypt. He redeemed them from slavery. He provided a way through the water on dry ground through the Red Sea. He provided protection against the elements. God provided their every need. They were walking with a God of provision. They saw the power of God. They walked in the presence of God. And they walked in the very provision of God. We're thirsty. Okay, out of this rock flow living waters. That's crazy. Like, can we, can we just take the Bible really literal? Like, think about this, okay? Think about what's going on here. Like, Really own it this morning. Just really ask God, like, knit this into my heart, these truths into my heart. God, the provider, manifesting himself in miraculous ways. You're thirsty, water from a rock, manna, quail, every need taken care of by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Here you have a people, a nation, God's chosen people, walking in the power of God, walking in the presence of God, receiving the provision of God. And fourthly, experiencing the compassion of God. I cheated a little bit there. Does that, is that okay? Yeah, that's okay? Passion's in there. Compassion. It's a P word. It's, and it works because it's capitalized, right? It just makes sense. Okay. They experience the compassion of God. Again, I was alone, okay? Things fly differently. Okay. But I, 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 so I, I'm being silly, but that's because I want to keep your attention. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's true, okay? We, I think we really, really miss out if we don't stop to recognize the mercy and grace of God in the midst of his glory. Okay? Like this, this, this is a really, really, really big, big key here because we serve a merciful, gracious, compassionate, loving father. 
when you take the Israelites who had seen the power, walked in the presence, had the provision, but rebelled and complained, 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 rebelled, complained. It would have been fitting for God to wipe them all out as he so threatened to do. And Moses pleaded on their behalf, did he not? But you see the compassion and mercy of God right from the, right from the Garden of Eden. Right throughout all Genesis, you see his faithfulness and his mercy. Here's another chance. I still love you. This is going to work. You're my chosen people. You don't know Jesus is coming. He's coming. Just hold on. And it's forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness and forgiveness. When the, when the Israelites divided, when you went into the divided kingdom, and you have the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, right? The northern kingdom, there was... Uh, 19 kings that ruled over the northern kingdom of Israel. Zero of them served God. There was 20 southern kings. Eight of them served God. Eight out of 39 kings actually followed the Lord. And God said, this is my people. This is my chosen nation. I'm going to pour out my mercy, my grace. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. You can trust me. This is the Israelites. These are the Israelites that were walking to the promised land, the power, the presence, the provision, the compassion. Are you following me here? Are you following me? Before we get to the fifth one, I want to stop and I want to turn our focus on us this morning. Because this story is our story. Isn't it? Next slide. We, number one, get to see the power of God on a daily basis. Don't we? We walk in the presence of God. We receive the provision of God. We experience the compassion of God. On a daily basis. This is our life. This is a truth we need to own, church. We need to let this sink deep into our very beings, our souls, our hearts, our memories, our eyes, our words, our actions. Romans 1.16, the power of God. Romans 1.16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for, of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. God the Father sending his son. In the same way the Israelites were set free from slavery and captivity, Galatians 4.7 says, we are no longer slaves, but we are sons, we are heirs through Christ Jesus our King. Amen? We have been set free from slavery. This is our story. We have witnessed and experienced the power of God. In the same way, the Israelites need a clean, spotless lamb to be sacrificed. In the same way, they put the blood of the lamb that protected them from death. We have Jesus Christ, the lamb that was slain. His blood poured out for us that we would be a redeemed people. Sons and daughters to the living God. We walk in the power of God. We walk in the presence of God. This is, this is something, I, I have not been able to shake this. I talked about it at the men's retreat. I've talked about it at a community group. If you come into my office, I probably talk about it. I just can't shake it. How awesome it is that the King of Kings lives in me. The Holy Spirit is in me, is in us. 
It wasn't enough for God to just make us his own and walk with us. He wanted to walk in us. And that is a phenomenal truth. And I'm convinced beyond all convincing that I don't own this truth enough. I don't own this truth enough. John 16, 7, it is to your advantage. This is crazy. It is to your advantage. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. It is to your advantage that I go so that I can send the helper, the promise, the Holy Spirit. I can divide myself and now not just walk with the disciples, not just walk with you on earth. I can divide myself. I can be in you all. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living, breathing, active, in your life, in you, here at church, in your prayer closet, in your marriage, at your job, when you're walking down the street. In the same way that Moses spoke with God on the mountaintop, we get to go up the mountain, don't we? That's the truth. We get to go up the mountain. We get to commune with God. In the same way God met with, uh, with Moses in the tent of meeting, we get to meet with him. And in the same way Moses was very concerned that God would go with them, Acts 1 tells us that Jesus had that same, that same heart. Acts 1 tells us that, that this was true of the disciples. Verse 4, Jesus says, He ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is very important that we own this promise. It is very, very important that we own this presence, walking in this presence. Jesus himself said, Do not go out. Do not do life. Wait for me. Wait for the Spirit. And as born again, baptized believers in Jesus Christ, you too have the Holy Spirit. That we need to be very concerned. Lord, don't send me out my front door this morning without your Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I just woke up. Don't let me husband my wife Michelle without the, without the presence of the Holy Spirit. I've been praying that all week. Lord, don't, don't let me get up in front of my brothers and sisters without the Holy Spirit because then I, it's just going to be bubbling Nemo mess. Don't do anything without the presence of God. We need to have Moses' heart cry. Number three, or C, or three, we receive the provision of God. You know, church, we serve an amazingly, amazingly generous God, don't we? Amazingly generous God. And that's the same thing as the Israelites. He provided his provision through his son, redemption and salvation, a salvation, a debt we could never pay. He provided himself in the, in the, in the Holy Spirit. And he provides eternal security and glorious riches forever. Our future has been provided by the King of Kings. This light and momentary affliction is, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory. He provides our needs. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Philippians 4, 19. And my God will supply my every need according to his riches. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. Do not be anxious. What should we say? Well, I mean, do not be anxious and say, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? The Father sees and knows. Psalm 84, 11. The Lord is a sun and shield. He is our protection. The God, our Father, is providing for us in every way. We cannot look at a certain area and take any credit for ourselves. God's provision, God's provision, God's provision, God's provision, God's provision. We walk in God's provision. And it's probably very fair and proper of me to say this morning that God may not uh, be providing for you today in the way that you're expecting and maybe not in your timing. 
that is a very fair and real statement, right? Nothing of what I'm saying here is easy. Even though it just comes out that way. But it's very fair to say that we, we sit here going, oh, I don't experience that the way I want to see it. But can I just say something? God's timing and his ways don't nullify the truth of his word. Okay? The, the, the truth of this scripture right here, the, the, like the truth of the, that's, that's in here, his ways and his timing, that way, when they differ from your ways, it doesn't nullify the truth of this. And lastly, we experience the compassion of God. Ephesians 1, 7, 8, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He has made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence. Church, His mercies are new every morning. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all righteousness, unrighteousness. Sorry. 1 Peter 5, 7, Casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Hebrews 4, 16, Let us therefore come boldly up onto the throne of grace that we may have obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need in that same way that we see if we own that truth that the Israelites receive mercy and grace that God is a grace filled merciful faith filled God right throughout all of scripture that's our story we own that story through these scriptures alone that I have read we can know that even in our sin even in our own perceived failures. God loves you. Don't let the enemy convince you of anything otherwise. God is a faithful, merciful God who died for your past, present, and future sins, removed your debt as far as the east is from the, the west. We are a people walking in the power of God, walking in the presence of God, walking in the provision of God and walking in the compassion of God. That Israelite story is our story. And I want to go back to the last P. Unfortunately, that rhymed. Sorry, I was on this rhyming kick with Matt this morning. I really need to get off that train. Can we have the last P up there? The promise. The promises of God. The Israelites did not receive the promise of God. And I'll repeat it once again. We just talked about it, and I'm fairly certain you agreed with me that we see the Israelites walking in power, visible, tangible, power, visible, tangible presence of God, miraculous provision of God, the mercy and grace and compassion of God. And they get to this place that God had told them they was theirs. God had the same God had told them was theirs and they did not receive it. How is that possible? 
that they would not receive it. We know because we've talked about it enough this morning. Fear and unbelief. I think the next slide, Juliana. And I'm throwing in forgetfulness. Marlon and Dory. Good old Marlon and Dory, you know? They come back. You know, if Marlon... This is going to sound really silly. But if Marlon would have just read the script of the movie, you know, and noticed that he wouldn't die in all those crazy situations, like everything would have been okay, like he wouldn't have had to be afraid, would he? Right? Well, the first thought you're thinking is, Greg, he's not a human. He couldn't have read the script. I know. That's, right? But let's just say he could. I mean, because the animals were reading, weren't they? Like, they were talking. I don't, when's the last time you heard a clownfish speak? I don't know. I've actually... I've never even heard one make bubbles. But that sounds really silly, doesn't it? Like, if he just would have just read the script, he would have known. He didn't, he didn't have to be so afraid. That guy, I mean, he was the most paranoid, fearful little fish you've ever seen. Can I, can I just suggest this morning that we have the script? Can I just be so bold as to say that we have the script? Does that, does that make sense? Like, the words in here, like, let's just say we believed them, like, we just took them at face value, right? Like, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Okay. That's a pretty good promise. My God will supply all your needs in Jesus Christ. Okay. Anxiety just starts to flutter away. Unbelief and fear is a killer. It's a killer. Matthew 21, 22. And I didn't, I want to read this. I, and I, this is a whole other sermon. I'm going to allow Matt, uh, Rob or Matt to preach this sermon. Matthew 21, 22. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Right? That was Matthew 21, 22. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words, okay? So me, me and my wife have this conversation all the time. If that's really true, Greg, like, do we just not have faith? Like, is that why we don't see people healed? I, I'm not preaching that this morning. I just want to, I'm just, I'm just reading Jesus' words, okay? So don't get mad at me. Get mad at Jesus. Those are his words. James 1, 7 says, for the person... Uh, He's talking about a person that doubts. Uh, For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded. When I read this, I was like, double-minded. You know, you know what the issue with lack of faith and and doubt is? It's we're we're being double-minded as believers. If we call ourselves sons and daughters of the King of Kings and believe this word is really legit, then when we actually walk in unbelief, we're actually how can how can you actually believe that Jesus is real and exists and you have the Holy Spirit in you and then doubt at the same time? That those two things don't go together. You 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 just can't have that. You can have that as much as I could be a male and a female at the same time. That just doesn't not work. It doesn't work. 
And what I'm trying to say is, brothers and sisters, be encouraged. This is real. This is really real. And if we want to walk in fear, we're going to miss out on the things God has for us. We're going to walk in unbelief. If we really have the power and the presence and the provision and the compassion of God, and that's, this Bible seems to read that way. The New Testament, the Old Testament, it just seems that God is really for me. He's not against me. And He's powerful, man. He's powerful. And He's with me. He's never going to leave me or forsake me. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though His rod and His staff, His discipline and His leading, then they're going to comfort me. Even though times are hard, I know I can hang on to this because this is true that he is working all things for the good of those who love him. It is really, 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 really true. And it blows my mind that the Israelites were right there and this fear kept them from receiving. Where is fear keeping you today from receiving what the Lord has for you? Is there a place? I'm just asking because I know I sit there at 305 going, oh my word. The latest invoice. Oh my word. Let me be real. I look at the bulletin. Our deficit. Oh my word. No. Mm -mm. No, 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 no. I know what the God, I know what the Lord has spoke. I know the dream he gave me. I know how he miraculously gave us that building for free on Main Street. How they tore up our sale, our, our offer and gave it to us for $2 a square foot, which is actually less than that because they said, we're going to give you another $650,000, which actually makes it $100,000 over 10 years, which is $10,000 a year to be in there, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then the city of Steinbach administration says, nope, we don't think they should have the parking bylaw. law. Calvary should not be in there. And Every one of the, the mayor and all of his band of merry men there said, we're not going against, we're going against administration. We say, yes, they should be in there. I'm hanging on it. I'm hanging on it. We were in a deficit last year. We were in the plus by the end of the year. Church, church, fear is a killer. And it will keep us from being in the promised land. Because we walk in the power and the presence and the provision and the compassion of an almighty savior. Us as a church and you as individuals right now where you sit where you are. Don't be the Israelites. We want to go back. You want to go back to slavery? Are you serious? Literal. Mind blow. What about fear? Marlin and his fear, us and our fear. Greater is he that is in you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Second Timothy 1.7, we were not given a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Fear is not of the Lord. It's flat out not of the Lord. Deuteronomy 31.8, do not be afraid or discouraged. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Joshua 1.9, is, I have this hanging in my living room. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And he is wherever you go because he left so he could send the helper who is inside of you right now. In this very room, the presence of God is here. We are supposed to fear. Deuteronomy 6, 13, 50 says the Lord was to fear, not the world. 
Church, fear, fearing the world doesn't suit us. It doesn't look good on you. It doesn't look good. Mm-mm. What about forgetfulness? Maybe this doesn't fit, but I, I, it feels like to me the Israelites forgot. Like, you, how how could you see what you saw and not and and still have the unbelief and the fear, right? Like, how how do you possibly see that? How do you how do you possibly walk through that and be afraid of some giants? Honestly, but I get it. I do get it because I sit there in my office all alone. And I start to get anxious. I'm like, I'm forgetting what God said. I am forgetting what God said. And it's not a big stretch for me to, to realize the enemy just wants us to forget about the glory of God. He wants you to forget church. He wants other things to consume your mind and your memories and your thoughts. Present day, present moment. Don't remember what he did for you on the cross. No, no, you're, you're sinful. Ba, ba, ba. On and on and on. Just forget. Just forget. Just forget. Just forget. Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to read this for you. Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 12. God, we're, we're called to remember. We're called to be a people that remember. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord with all your God, sorry, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you, you shall, they shall today, sorry, these command you today shall be on your heart. These words need to be on our hearts. You shall teach them diligently to your children. We need to know them and teach them to our children. You shall talk to them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. There should be no time we aren't talking about the glories of God. It's fitting and right to talk about them everywhere. All the time. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be on the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorposts of your house and on your gates. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and the houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and the cisterns that you did not dig, and the vineyards and all of trees that you did not plant, and when you eat and are full, take then take care lest you forget the Lord. Take care lest you forget the Lord. We're called to remember at all costs, church. We're called, we're called to remember. We do that by being able to, by teaching to our kids, by talking with our friends, by walking in diligently every day. And that's kind of what we like. We, Joseph, a little bit further, Joshua 4, 2 to 6, Joshua commands the 12 stones be set up as a reminder as they pass through the Jordan. We take communion. Why? Do this in remembrance of me, Luke 22 to 19. The Holy Spirit helps us remember, John 14 to 26. Church, take care lest you forget. I, I'm a very forgetful person. I can hardly go to the store and remember three things. I had to go to Superstore the other day. I bump into Lisa walking in. Bad news. Because I didn't write down the three things. <laughs> Great. I'm supposed to have a conversation and now go in and remember three things? I literally got in Superstore and went... Ice cream... Baby food, 
actually can't remember right now. <laughs> there was another thing. It's going to come to me. Wow, I can't remember. Bananas? No, they weren't bananas. <laughs> I'm sad now. This <laughs> is horrible. No, it's proving a point. <laughs> okay. We're forgetful people. Write it down. Yeah, where are you, Michelle? Seriously, you were just here. <sighs> okay, keep going. Just, I just want to. I want to land the plane with two things. I think. I think we've 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 already established that fear, unbelief, and forgetfulness will keep us from the things of God. To keep us from walking in victory. And I just want to. I just want to encourage you. Is encouraging? I caution you. With two ways the enemy wants to get at us. Two, two ways the, the enemy is at us. Number one, the enemy is trying to get us to think like him. He wants us to think like him. What do I mean by that? Matthew 28, or sorry, Matthew 8, 29 says, And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? It's a story when Jesus is meeting the demon-possessed man and the demons cry out. They, they recognize him and want to be sent into the, into the pigs. And as I read this, I was like, the, the demons know, right? Like, they know. They, so what are they, like, we know our fates. So what are we going to do? We've got to get believers to think like us, right? We've got to work at this, right? I mean, the demons obviously knew his name. Oh, son of God, they knew Jesus' name. Have you come here to, to torment us? Well, they know that they're in for a good whooping, right? They know they've lost. Before the time, well, they know the time's coming. Church, the enemy knows. He's, he's, he's read the manual. He, he's, he, he knows how this plays out. And he actually, they actually plead for mercy. Church, I just, I just, I just want to reiterate today that that he, the, the enemy wants to use fear, unbelief, rebellion, unforgetfulness. He wants to tell you you're not good enough. He wants to tell you it's too hard. He wants you to think like him. He knows he's lost. How do I get them to believe like me, and not believe in the truth of the word? How do I get them there? How do I do it? He doesn't want you to trust in the God of power, presence, provision, compassion. He wants you to forget and think. To be defeated. So what do we do? We remember. We immerse ourselves. Reading plans are good for this purpose alone. Not because it's going to win you any more merit or you know glories in heaven, but just because because there's an enemy out there roaming around wanting to destroy you. And the more you know how to use the sword, less you get defeated. Amen. And it just plays out anywhere. The more I know how to play guitar, the better I can probably play songs. (laughs) The more we know this, the more we recognize the lies of the enemy where he wants us to think unlike children of God are supposed to think. And so it's good to immerse yourself in this truth. And number two, the enemy wants us to talk like him. Man, I've been walk, I've been reading through my reading plan, and it and, it's, and I was a little bit further, and I was reading in Joshua two eight eleven. 
It's a story of Rahab's, his, uh, her testimony to the spies. They send two spies into Jericho, right? They send them in there to spy out the land and they stay with, they stay with Rahab and Rahab starts recounting how Jericho's feel. And he says, as soon as we heard, this is the people of Jericho. Okay. This is the enemies, the enemy talking. As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted and there was no spirit left in any man because of you for the Lord, your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth below. What? They didn't even see what God had done. They just had to hear and it sounds like they believed. And it says their hearts melted. We, we read in the Gibeonite deception. And later in Joshua 9 too. When they actually inhabit the land. And the Gibeonites come and pretend. right That their clothes are all torn. And their food's all moldy. And even then they say we fear greatly for our lives. Why did you lie? Why did you deceive us? Because we fear greatly for our lives. We're about to get demolished and destroyed. They didn't see this God descend on the mountain. They didn't see his plagues. They didn't have his presence. They didn't see his provision. They just had to hear about how mighty God was. Church, you have him in you. So there's this talking, and this is where I get to, he wants us to talk like him. Because here's the kicker. Here's the thing that was really disturbing for me. When I read Deuteronomy 1, and then I read about Caleb in Joshua 14, 8, and he speaks, this is what they say. Joshua comes back, uh, sorry, Moses was saying here, what did he say? He said, when you came back with your report, the brothers' hearts melted. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like what happened to the enemy's hearts when when they heard about what God had done. And then Caleb, a little while later, in, uh, sorry, in Joshua 14, he says, yeah, when those 10 spies came back, they melted the hearts of the people. Can I just say that our words have real power? When those 10 spies came back with their own interpretation of whether they could be in the land or not, not only did they kill themselves, yeah, well, not only did they enable themselves or make themselves not inherit the land, they actually made everybody not inherit the land. They started grumbling and complaining in their tents. We can't go up there. The cities are huge. The giants are massive. What if all 12 would have came back really positive? Like, no, this is who God is. This is what he's done for us. We're going to go kick their butts. But their, their speech, the way they talked to one another melted their hearts they became who the enemy was the enemy is like i want you to talk just like us because we're doomed so why don't i sow a little bit of fear in here and all of a sudden believers that have walked with god are talking the same way it's it matters how you talk to one another church we need to be people that spur one another on i was in charge of opening up the prayer room i was parked at the back on the back side of 305 main my key didn't work to get in it was a hot morning uh, this was this last week. So I'm sitting there. I rolled down the windows. I thought, well, it's eight o'clock in the morning. I know people are coming at nine. So I've got an hour to sit here and pray. I rolled down the windows and I'm just reading the word, thinking about the message and praying. Right. And I hear there's Steinbeck em- uh, employees and, and government employees coming. And I hear this conversation. And one guy says, this church is never going to open. I say no in Jesus name. But that seed went in me. I was like, yeah, maybe, maybe we're doomed. Maybe this isn't right. And I felt this temptation as I heard talking want to take me down. I said, no, my heart's not going to be melted, church. My heart is not going to be melted, church. 
And if I ever talk to any one of you in a way that melts your heart, you remind me of who the King of Kings is and what I just spoke up here this morning. Because we need to be a people that talk to one another in love, stirring and building one another up, pressing one another on. Psalm 145, I'm, I'm not going to take the time to read it, but it's a, it just... It's a glorious chapter of one generation talking to another generation about the powers and glories of God. And it's, just read it. Psalm 145, it should be who we are. Called to walk with one another, encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. The enemy robs us when he convinces us that giants are bigger than our God church. We need to be like David, right? David didn't go meekly crying out to God how big the giant was. He actually went to the giant and told him how big his God was, right? So you look at your problem. I look at Main Street and say, you know how big my God is? Do you know who my God is? Do you know that he lives in me? And that when I'm weak, his strength is made perfect. Absolutely perfect. So humbly come before the throne of grace, church. Because God will have his glory. The Israelites did make it to the promised land, didn't they? Right? They had to wait around for 40 years, waiting for people to pass away before they could go there. But God still fulfilled his promise. And he's going to fulfill the promise. That's the truth of the word. God will fulfill his promise. The question is this morning, who's going to see it? I'm telling you today, I'm going to be a pastor at 305 Main Street. I'm going to be there. Okay? I'm going to lead worship with my mother awesome guitar that you bought me. Which I look at every day and play every day. You can ask my family. But I'm going to be there. I'm asking who's coming with me. Who's coming with me? Amen. I see some hands. So let's walk in the peace of God this morning. Let's think like the children of God, heirs through Christ. And let's talk like the children of God. Let's walk, think, and talk, trusting him to fulfill every good work in the power of his great name. Dory got one thing right. She did. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming. What? Yeah. Just have faith, just have faith. Just believe, believe, believe. Trust in God. He is bigger. Even though I forget everything else, mm -hmm, I'm going to make it to the end. Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for my brothers and sisters. I'm so grateful, God. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful that you're powerful and we see it every day. I'm grateful that your presence is in us. I thank you, God, for your provision. God, it's all yours. I only have because you say yes. God, and I thank you for your compassion, your grace, and your mercy. God, would you make us own it? Would you make it real in our hearts today for your glory and your honor? And may we come into everything that you have for us in Jesus' glorious name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.